0: Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, would you join me in Acts chapter 2 this morning as we continue to work our way through the book of Acts? uh, We are moving to a section this morning specifically. You may have noticed by some of the songs that we were singing uh, Sweet, sweet spirit, the family of God, better is one day in your courts. Today we're going to look at. The early church. It's going to give us somewhat of a pattern for what church life should look like, how we should interact with one another, things that we should be devoted to when we are with each other. If you haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, as we've been going through Acts, just a quick kind of catch-up. Uh, so last week and a couple of weeks before, we've seen Peter preaching uh, the first sermon, first one of his big sermons that he gives in the book of Acts, and so it's the day of Pentecost and the, the followers of Christ are filled with the Holy Spirit and they're given the power to share the gospel and all sorts of different tongues and lang- to different people from different nations with, that speak all sorts of different languages. And the people were confused by what was going on and so Peter preaches and he tells them what's going on. He tells them that this is God's Spirit coming down as God had prophesied. And he goes on to explain to them that Jesus is clearly both Lord and and Christ. And what he used is the Old Testament to explain to these Jewish people that Jesus is not just a man but that he is God himself. That he and God are one. He used words that would show them that. He used scripture that would show them that. He showed them how God has made that clear. So Jesus is both God and he is our Savior. He is Lord and he is Messiah or Lord in Christ. So After Peter preaches this to these Jewish people, about 3,000 of them get saved on this very day. They accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they're saved. And so now, all of a sudden, there's a pretty good-sized church, right? Uh, And not just here, these people from all over. So there are going to be other churches. But we see, beginning in chapter 2, verse 42, where we'll look this morning, we're going to see what church life looked like in this early church. And now, we can split hairs, and a lot of people do like to split hairs about if this is prescriptive or descriptive, right? Is this telling us what we have to do, prescribing this as this is what a church has to do, or is this just describing what they did? And people have split hairs about that. I don't want you to get too caught up in that. Today, I want us to do is I want you to see what their church life looked like, because here's what Luke is going to give us today. In verse 42, he's going to tell us what they were devoted to. And then in the rest of today's text, he's going to tell us the outcome of that. And I think what we see here is a pattern that if we are devoted to the right things, that we see some of the things that will come from it. So look with me and let's see what were they devoted to in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I do want us to stop there because, really, I think this is almost two sections in this section. This is what these new believers, these Christians, these were the things that were important to them. And then we're going to see what flows from that. But this word, the wording here when he says, they devoted themselves to, what does that mean? It means to continue to do something with intense effort. So what he's saying, these are things that they were doing over and over. These are things that they were doing habitually. These are things that they were doing with great regularity, and they were doing it with intense effort. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but I believe that Brother Grant does everything he does with intense effort. Whether it's playing basketball or welcoming people here, he does what he does with intense effort, right? This is what we see about these believers. They weren't just casually doing these things, right? They weren't taking part in these things when the opportunity arose and their schedule gave time. They were devoted to these. They wanted these things. They were intensely devoted to these things. So what are the things? There are four of them that we see here, and we'll take each in turn. The first one is the apostles' teaching. Now, we know that the apostles, these 12 men... Uh, that had spent time with Jesus, that had walked with Jesus, that had been taught specifically by Jesus, that had heard His teaching to them and had heard His teaching to other people and had seen the miraculous things that He did. And they knew Jesus intimately, right? They had spent time. They had ate meals with Him. They had traveled with Him. They had, they had heard the love in His voice. They knew he, who He was. And they were there when Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, And later on in the Great Commission, he says, "...teaching them all that I have commanded you." Right? And so that's what these apostles are doing. They're these new Christians, and so these apostles are teaching them all of the things that Jesus has commanded them. And they're teaching them, as we see Peter doing throughout the book of Acts, they're teaching them how the Old Testament points to Christ. So they're using the Scriptures, and they're using Jesus' teaching. And it's not just that the apostles were devoted to this, Right, because you can have a church where the pastor is devoted to teaching the Word, and where you have Sunday schools that are devoted to studying and preparing and to teaching, but if you don't have people that are devoted to coming and learning, right, then you can be preaching to an empty sanctuary, or you can be teaching intense lessons to very empty Sunday school rooms, but what we see here is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles were doing what they're supposed to, but the people were longing to know more about Christ. The people were yearning to understand the things that Christ had taught, and so that's the first thing. And I don't think it's insignificant that Luke puts that first in order. I believe that he's telling us that the first thing, the most important thing in the early church to these early Christians was to learn the teachings of Christ, to understand the Word of God. And they were intensely devoted to learning these things. So as you hear these, I pray that you're thinking through this for yourself. Am I intensely devoted to learning the things of Christ? We have more opportunities and more ways today than ever before in history to learn about Christ. Right? We have radios and we have TVs and we have podcasts and we have the internet and we have thousands of books and we have Kindles and every way that you can imagine every experiment that you have there's an opportunity for us to be learning about Christ and to be learning the scriptures from good good teachers are you are we devoted to learning what we would see here is the apostles teaching or the teachings of the New Testament, to the teachings about Christ. All right, the second thing, they were devoted intensely to the fellowship. What does it mean, the fellowship? Well, by definition, it means sharing something with someone. It means having something in common with someone. It means having an intimate bond with someone. So these Christians, it's a very broad term. Sometimes it's used for uh, the marriage relationship, but what it's explaining is... People that love spending time with other people, people that love spending time, that love sharing things, that love being together, that love having things in common with other people, they were intensely devoted to spending time with each other. They were intensely devoted to making sure that those people that they had things in common with, that they spent time with those people. Now, a lot of us do this With our friends, right, you are intensely devoted. You find ways to spend time with your friends, right? Whether it's at work, whether it's uh, having a text message group so that you can talk to them throughout the day, whether it's meeting with them for meals late at night or seeing them at the ballpark, we love getting together with our friends. We find ways, we go out of our way to spend time with our friends. But what we see about these early Christians is that they did that for other Christians, They spent time, they went out of their way to make sure that they were spending time with each other. And what does that look like? Well, we'll get a little preview. Look in verse 44 as it continues down. I think we see an idea of what that looks like. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together... And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So we see this, right? Whether they're going to the temple, whether they're going to church together, whether they're having people over in their homes for meals, right? Whatever it is, they were spending time with each other. Why? Why? These people from different nations, these people from different backgrounds, these people from different socioeconomic statuses, these people that, that some were Jews, and as we see, will go on, some will be Gentiles, have, have so little in common, why would they go out of their way to spend all of this sort of time together? Well, it's because what they had in common was so much more important than what they had that wasn't in common, right? The things that brought them together were so much more important than the things that separated them, like having the same Father, right? Talking about God, the Father. They all have, at this point, now that they are Christians through faith in Christ, they all have the same Father. One of my favorites is to point out that they all have the same permanent address, right? Not in the sense of where people send you mail, but the place that they were spending eternity same place, living in the same place with one another. They had the same spirit living in each one of them. So they literally had their insides in common. So the place they're living and their father and their family and the spirit that's inside of them, the things that matter most to them, they have all these things in common. Their worldview that Christ is more important than anything else and should be exhausted above everything else, they have that perfectly in common. So now all of a sudden, because of these things... They love each other and they care for each other and they shared with each other, They literally shared their possessions and they shared their time and they spent time with each other and they had a stake and a vested interest in each other's well-being. They wanted to see each other doing well. So they spent this time together. It's a beautiful picture of what community life for Christians should look like. Alright, what's the next thing? They they are devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And now this one seems pretty simple. I don't believe that this is talking about the Lord's Supper, although they did share the Lord's Supper with one another. I believe that specifically what this is talking about was to them spending time sharing meals with each other in their homes. Because we see that, right? We read that as you go down just a little bit in verse 46 that they attended the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes. And so they're having people over and having meals with one another. And that seems like a very simple thing, but I want you to think about it for just a moment. It's a, very, it's a very intimate thing to have someone else into your home, right? To invite somebody else into your family home to sit down at your dinner table to cook and prepare a meal so that they can come and sit down with you is a special thing. Now, I'm talking to a bunch of Southern Baptist people that live in the South and so I don't have to tell you anything about having folks over. and I don't have to tell you anything about hospitality. Let me ask you this question. Who is it that if you're usually going to have a fairly good-sized gathering and have several people over to your house to sit down for a meal who, what group of people do you have over most often? It's probably family, right? I mean, we have family over. Those of you especially that live, that have grown up here, you have family over pretty often. If you're having a gathering, it's probably family coming over. It's one thing that I do miss about not living in Philadelphia, where I grew up, because they do that often. They will get together, and it will be aunts and, and my sister and my parents and. Uh, my cousins, and they'll all get together on Sunday afternoon after church and have a meal together. And uh, it's a joyful thing, those of you that get to do that, that get to spend that sort of time with your family, and they hang out and they catch up, and we do that. Why do we do that? Because we love each other. Because when you're sitting around that table, you're sharing about what's been going on in your life, and you're catching up with each other, and you don't have anywhere else to be, and you're just letting each other know. You're important to me. You're special to me. These Christians did that with other Christians. They were intensely devoted to having other Christians to come sit down in their homes and spend time with them. Makes the all the difference in the world. I have a friend, uh, Brian Rushing. Many of y'all remember Brian. He came last year and filled in while I was on vacation. He preached outside. He was the one that brought the welcome mat. Whenever Brian was pastoring First Baptist Church of Newton. They had a Hispanic guy that started coming to First Baptist Church of Newton. And a lot of people were very friendly to him at the church. They would welcome him and were so glad that you're here. Come to our Sunday school class. And after he'd been coming for a month or two, he, he went to Brother Brian and told him, he said, Brother Brian, I don't really feel like the people are accepting me here. Well, Brian knew what he could see in the sanctuary. He said, but Brother, I, I think that everybody's friendly towards you, are they not? And he said, absolutely. Everybody is friendly towards me, but no one wants to be my friend. And I think that's the difference that we see here. If we come here on Sundays and we all smile and say, hey, it's good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. Hope you have a good week. And then we don't talk to one another again until next week. There's a big difference in that and in saying, hey, Tuesday night, why don't you and your family and your kids come and sit down at our house and let's talk about how life's been. That's a whole lot different than having a text message group with several folks here that you text on Thursday afternoons. I just want you to know, I know that you've been having a tough week and I'm praying for you. These brothers and sisters, they didn't just get together when they had to. They got together because they wanted to. I think there's a big, big difference in that sort of community and in what many of us may have known in the church. But not just to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. but They were also devoted to the prayers as it says here. And now I do think the way that's written says that there were probably some specific written prayers that they had, and that's not that out of the ordinary, right? These were people that were literally there whenever Jesus said, "This is how you should pray and gave them the model prayer, right They had a Jewish background. So they probably had some set prayers that they prayed, but I think more intensely what it's showing us overarchingly is that they were people that prayed. They were devoted to praying and spending time in prayer with one another and separately. Why is that a big deal? Because when we pray regularly, when we pray habitually, it reminds us, it shows us that we know that we're not in control. It shows that we know that we are dependent upon God. Daryl Bach in his commentary on Acts, I think, Lays this out well. He said, A community at prayer is something Luke emphasizes about community life. It seeks God's direction and is dependent upon God because God's family of people do not work by feelings or intuition but by actively submitting themselves to the Lord's direction. Brothers and sisters, are you intensely committed and devoted to praying because you recognize that you are fully dependent upon God for direction and for help and for guidance and for all of the things that you need in life? Or do you just do it on your own because you feel like you're all right on your own? There's a big, big difference. So point one, God's people devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, and prayer. That's what they were devoted to. You can pull it with the other sides of it. They were devoted to learning and to each other and God, right? Those are the focus. Teaching, the focus of that is learning. Uh, to fellowship, that's that they were devoted to each other. And in prayer, they showed that they were devoted to God. So in all of these things, we have to ask ourselves, am I also devoted to these things? Am I intensely committed to making sure that I am doing these things often and well? And again, there's the debate, Brother Zach, this is telling us what they did, how would I know that this is telling me what I have to do. Well, I'll tell you this, I don't see anything on this list that we don't see elsewhere, that we don't see somewhere else in the New Testament as something that we should do. Right, that we should be devoted to learning the Scriptures. That we should be devoted to one another, right? Into holding one another accountable and praying for each other and spending time with each other. And that we see in the Old Testament that iron sharpens iron. And we see over and over in Scripture that we need one another. That's how the Christian life is set up. That we will do it together and praying. That we should pray. That when one another is sick, that we should call on one another. We should pray for one another. We should have the elders of the church come and pray for us, right? We see these other ways, but I also don't see anything on that list that you shouldn't want to be committed to, right? We shouldn't argue and fight saying that's what they did, but it's not saying what we have to do because you don't want to. Nobody should be fighting to get away from learning the scriptures. None of us should be fighting to find some loophole so that we don't have to care about each other or so that we don't have to spend time praying, all right, so then the, the rest of this section, verse 43 through 47, we're going to read it all together because I believe this is the outflow of that. When their hearts were in the right place, when they were devoted to the right things, this is what happened. Verse 43, "...and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common." And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, for those that are note takers, real quick, as we work through this, six things that came out of this. First one, we see there in verse 43, all came upon every soul. I'm glad it didn't all came upon all souls because it sounds like I'm saying the same word. All came upon every soul. What is that talking about? Why is that a big deal? Because when it says every soul, it doesn't just mean the Christians. It means everybody in Jerusalem, the believers and the non-believers, were in awe of what was taking place in this community. I truly believe that if we are devoted to the things that we're supposed to be devoted to, and we are loving each other, and we are loving God the way that this early church loved each other and loved God, that the people outside of Mount Zion will look in awe at what's going on here. They will be amazed at what God does through us and in the way that God uses us. And that's what he's saying here. These people were devoted to the right things and everything. Everybody took notice. Everybody was in awe of what was going on in this community. The second thing we see in verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And this is, I told you a minute ago, that that one thing that makes it difficult not living where my family is, that I don't get to get together with my family, but one thing that makes it easier is that I'm here and among you believers... I have these sort of relationships, right? I may not get to go on Sunday afternoon to eat with my family, but sometimes I go on Sunday afternoon to eat with some of you, right? Or you have come over and had a meal at my family's house, or we have been invited to your house on a Tuesday night. And so even though we don't have that sort of relationship all the time with our family, we have it with our spiritual family. And that's what we see here. These brothers and sisters, even though they weren't blood kin, they look like they were kin. They were spending time with one another. And that's what it should look like among a community of faith. We're together and we have things in common. And we're going to spend some more time Wednesday night looking at that. Why is that? Why should we have these things in common? Why should we want to spend time with each other? What sort of benefits come from us sharing life with one another? We'll look at those things Wednesday night. But as we continue here, we see that they shared so that no one was left in need, right? Verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, let me ask you this. If you found out that your mother was about to have her home foreclosed upon, you hadn't been aware of this, you didn't know the financial shape that your mom was in, and you get word that your mom's about to get kicked out of her house and not have somewhere to live, would you not be willing to sell, if you had uh, an extra bass boat or you had some extra things that you didn't need, would you not be willing to go to great lengths so that your mom didn't get kicked out of her house? You would. I believe that you would. If you found out, right, that, that your sister, who you love and care for, was about to lose her car right, I was going to have it repoed and would have no way to get to work, or that your neighbor and best friend was about to have his water cut off because he couldn't pay his bill, would you not be willing to do things to help them? I believe that you would. Well, in Matthew 12:50, Jesus said, whenever they said, your mother and your brothers are outside calling for you, he said, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so what I want you to recognize is I call some of you brother, and that's not because I forget your name most of the time. And some of you call me pastor, and it's not because you forget my name all the time. But I call you brother because you are my brothers, and you are my sister's. And we are part of the same family. And so if you have a need, I look at it as if my brother or my sister or my mother has a need and I'm willing to help you. Make me aware of it. Make one another aware of it. I pray that you love each other enough that you'd be willing to do the same things for each other. That we would not want any of us to be in need. They didn't and they acted like it. pray that we do as well. Again we see how this works out in in the greater community. They had favor with all people, right? Not only did they have favor with each other, but verse 47 says, praising God and having favor with all the people. So again, even people outside of the believing community were amazed and, and looked favorably and graciously among the group of Christians because of the things that they saw taking place. The last thing the Lord added to their number. Day by day. And isn't that beautiful? And now some of us, that's the one that we'll really stick on. Man, if if we could get more members at Mount Zion, I'd be willing to do some stuff. And that's good. We'd love to have more members here. Brothers and sisters, it's not about having more people just in this sanctuary. It's about having more people that are Christians that are saved from hell. There are more people that are praising and worshiping the God who deserves the praise and worship of all people. And why? Why would the things that we see here bring people to be, be, become Christian? Because here's not what, I, I don't think this is what it's saying. I think sometimes we look at it this way. Man, if we loved each other better, there'd be more people that would want to be part of this group, and so they would, bec- they would come to be members of Mount Zion. And that's possible, but usually what happens is they're going to another church somewhere else and they're already Christians and they see that we're a healthy church so they leave that church and they come here. But that's not what this says. This says that there are people that are getting saved day by day. People don't get saved because you and I are spending time in each other's homes eating meals. But whenever we're devoted to the teachings of Christ... And we can share the Bible with other people, share scriptures with coworkers. wherever we're devoted to prayer and we are asking God that unbelievers would come to become Christians, and when we're devoted to prayer and we're asking God that he would put people in our path that we could share the scripture with, then all of a sudden God is faithful to answer our prayers as the Bible tells us he is, and we're faithful to know the things to share, to tell the scripture to other people, and people become Christians. And so because of all of these things that they were doing daily, more people were becoming Christians and they had glad and generous hearts and they were enjoying each other and they were learning the scriptures. Point two, don't worry, there aren't three points today. This is the last one. Point two, God's people were devoted to godly things and it made a huge difference. So I ask you this morning, brothers and sisters, what are you devoted to? We're all devoted to something. There is something in your life that you are intensely committed to doing. You are not going to miss out on this. And I don't know what it is. It's different for lots of us. We have different things that we're committed to. And for some of us, it's work above everything else. And for some of us, it's ball above everything else. And to some of us, it's fishing or hunting above everything else. Or for some of us, and we could go on and on, right? Being entertained, becoming popular, having more friends, right? Whatever it is, you have something that you are intensely devoted and committed to. But I ask you this this morning, is what you personally are intensely devoted and committed to, godly? Or is it worldly? Because if you're investing all of your stuff into worldly things, the dividends that you get from it are going to be worldly things. But I trust from what we see here that if we are a community of people that are intensely devoted and investing deeply in godly things, that the returns are going to be godly things. They're going to be joy and abundant life in the community. They're going to be people that are lost, that don't recognize the glory of God, that don't recognize that Jesus is Lord, coming to recognize that, coming to devote themselves to Christ and becoming Christians. right? It's going to be that you and I are going to know the Scriptures better and we're going to love the Scriptures more. We're going to see these sort of dividends. We're going to see these sort of returns when we're devoted to the things that God has called us to be devoted to. And so I'll tell you this this morning, even though we could try to split hairs about if this is telling us what we have to do or not, I'll tell you this, you don't have to tell me that I have to do these things because I want to do them. I want to know what the Bible says, and I want to spend time with each of you. And if you have needs, I want to try and help meet those needs, and I want to spend time praying because I know that I don't have everything that I need. I don't have all the wisdom, I don't have all the direction, I don't have all the help, but God does. So this morning I ask you, are you committed to the right things? I also ask you this morning, if that is not the way that you need to respond to this, by changing what you're committed to, if you are here and you have never recognized that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you have never recognized that Jesus is God, that He is the one that you have to call upon in order to be saved, but this morning, he has reminded you through this text of that. Then I ask, would you respond by giving your life to him? But we all have some way that we can respond to this text. So Brother Shane's going to come, and we're going to have a, a hymn of response. And you can respond by praying where you are and talking to God. If you would like somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. If you need, if you have questions about what it means to become a Christian, come and Let's set up a time that we can meet and discuss that more fully. But maybe you're here today and you are just thankful because of this reminder that you have a family, that you're part of the family of God. So we're going to sing. If you would stand, and for those that want to respond that way, we're going to sing the family of God again because I'm excited and I'm thankful that I have you, brothers and sisters, as my family. So as Brother Shane leads us, you respond as the Lord calls us to in the sin